again. Lord, we just thank you. We surrender this time into your hands. Speak to our hearts. Anoint us afresh. Father, to understand your ways and to know you more by understanding your ways. Lord, I pray, Lord, to understand who you are, that you are a God whose hand is not shortened, O Lord. It is we who shorten your hands in hand in our lives because of our unbelief. And I pray, Father, this morning, even as we listen to your word, faith will arise from the depths of our heart. Challenge us afresh this morning. Lord, cause us to walk in your ways. Thank you, Father. Lord, this morning we surrender this word into your hands. Anoint us, O Lord, and grant us, O Lord, Father, focus. Take away every distraction. And Lord, speak to our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, Amen. I've titled today's uh, message as How Amazing is Grace. Okay, we sang the song, Amazing Love, How Can It Be? That you, my king, should die for me. And this morning, we'll try to understand how amazing is grace. How amazing is grace. By the way, um, it's it's interesting that uh, the, one of the f- most famous hymns everybody sings, irrespective of uh, whether you're a Bollywood actor or a Hollywood actor or anybody, the one song m- many people will know is Amazing Grace. And over a period of time, they have changed the lyrics of the song. Um, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a sinner like me and saved a mistaken person like me. Things like that. They have changed the word wretch to sinner. Okay, so it's uh, it's interesting how hymns change over a period of time. But you know what? Jesus didn't just come to um, uh, how can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me that caused this pain? For me who him to death pursued, amazing love, how can it be that thou my God should die for me? Uh, and what kind of a, um, um, a man am I? Another place would say, for such a worm as I, for such a worm, W-O-R-M, I mean, how many of us feel like a worm? And, and you know, if you look at that song, they change the word worm to sinner as I, to, 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 you see, uh, sinners and worm, who's better? You see what I'm talking about. You see, uh, you, you, you don't understand how amazing grace is unless, unless and until you have a proper understanding of who you are. Therefore, we need to understand how amazing is grace to really, really love Him. Like Dr. Richard was praying, Lord, enable us to love you with all of our heart. How and when will we love Him? To sh- we, we love Him because He first loved us. Our love is only a response to what we have already experienced from the hand of God. Right? So this morning we need, to, we need to know how much God loved us. And therefore we need to really, really know how expansive and how expensive was His mercy and was His grace. So how amazing is grace? You know, one of the first things when Pastor, um, you know, started the church long time back, 11 years back, one of the things that he taught us in those days, he said, guys, don't stop using those words awesome and amazing Oh, how is that? How is your, how is the chocolate is amazing? Uh, how is the movie is awesome? Uh, stop using those words. You know why? Because you kind of cheapen those words. Because those words can be only used of God. Only God is awesome. Nobody else. Okay. So, 
so you, because we don't understand how amazing is because even even in our own minds the word amazing has become not really amazing okay how are your spectacles amazing what's so amazing about spectacles see see that's how glibly we use words so therefore we don't really understand in our culture as to what the, the, the true meaning of words is not very clear to us so this morning i want to look at how amazing is grace ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 9 will say for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of god not of works lest anyone should boast now the gift of god is who is he himself and that is why it is amazing all right uh, john's gospel chapter 1 this this is what it says in john's gospel chapter 1 this is uh, let me read this verse from verse 10 onwards he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him he came to his own and his own did not receive him but as many as received him to them he gave the right to be called what to become the children of God and then one, one John will say behold what manner of love that the Father has shown upon us that we should be called the sons of God. So this is what we need to understand. What manner of love that the Father has showered upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And this and this privilege is to for everybody. But the problem is not many people receive it. But as many as received them, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God. To those who believe in his name. So anyone, anybody... No, this is what uh, uh, Peter realizes after he goes to Cornelius's home uh, when God, I mean, God gives him a vision and he goes to Cornelius' home and then he has to preach the gospel. There it says in Acts chapter 10, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows what? No partiality, but in every nation, in, even in our, in, in our church, anybody, Anybody, irrespective of what your background is, God shows no partiality. In every nation, whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted. Doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, God is able to do to do for you and to save you irrespective of what kind of a background you come from. So, God is not a respecter of persons. And actually the word uh, in, the Greek, uh, in, the, in, the, in the original is God accepts no man's face. God is not a respecter of persons means God accepts no man's face. He doesn't, doesn't accept you by your looks or by your, by your achievements or lack, of, lack thereof. God accepts you irrespective of who you are. But the problem, problem is God not only accepts you the way you are, He also changes you from what you are to what you are supposed to be in him that is the work of grace okay so we will look at you know uh, we were looking at two uh, three women yesterday in in, in our pastors conference we talked we looked at uh, uh, we looked at hannah we looked at manoha's wife and we also looked at uh, a, a very interesting uh, poignant character in the bible her name is rispa rispa and you know pastor was talking about birthing warriors and and I, even as i was meditating upon the upon um, upon this word in particular passage that i'm looking at i don't want to look at another woman okay who birthed the ultimate warrior 
who was the reason for birthing the ultimate warrior. Okay. It says in uh, Isaiah chapter 41, the Lord is a man of war. Okay. Who's the, who's the man of war? Jesus himself is the man of war. So ultimately there was one woman who birthed the ultimate warrior and you should see how amazing grace worked in our life. Maybe we have, we have, we haven't, uh, discussed this character in detail in our, in our study through our, through the several years we were here in a church. But today I want to look at that particular character. And she is found in a very interesting passage in the Bible in Joshua chapter 2. And anybody knows the name? Anybody? What's that? Rahab. Okay, so we are looking at Rahab today. Just today is all about Rahab. To understand how amazing is grace. Okay, let's read on from verse 1. Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove, from the Acacia Grove, uh, actually the word Shittim, to spy secretly saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. So two spies were summoned. You know, one man of God was, was talking about this. He was saying, you know, it's like um, uh, uh, Jason Bond or James Bond receiving a uh, uh, receiving a, a secret message from MI16. If you have accepted this uh, mission, uh, it's going to be self-destruct in a few minutes. But you know, every time uh, you, you watch a spy movie or anything, you know what? He, there are huge stakes. Most, I mean, and if you watch those movies in Hollywood, the world is going to be destroyed and one man is going to save. The stakes are very high and the whole, the, the plot becomes interesting because the stakes are so high. You understand what I'm saying? So, so the, the, this, there are two guys now. Now, Joshua learned his lesson, okay? He, he does not summon like the way Moses summons one from each tribe before everybody. No, this time he says, he calls them secretly. Even the people don't know that they're two spies. So it's absolutely classified. It's a classified mission. Two men on a classified mission. Nobody knows, only the boss knows. Okay, so this is uh, this is a class. Uh, so the, Joshua calls him because he, you know what he says: Go there, spy out Jericho, and come back to me. All right, don't go to anybody. Go, come back to me, and report to me only. So he has learned this lesson, and he doesn't choose twelve because last time they they, they chose twelve, ten gave a bad report only. Two gave good reports. So this time he learned this lesson. Let us only have two fellows. Let us even not even talk about which tribe. Two random people. Random? Maybe not. But let's see. Okay. So Joshua the son of Nun sent. That's the beautiful word. What's the word? Sent. Shalak in the Hebrew. Which essentially means the one who was authorized. It's it's a kind of an apostolic mission. Sent by who? Joshua. Yehoshua. From which we got the word? Yeshua. Okay, God himself, that's the reason why it says, just as the father sent me, I also sent you into this world. So now where do they go? So they, they come to the land and they straight go into the house of a harlot named Rahab. That's interesting, right? The house of a harlot. So let's try to understand what this means. Let's move on. And it was told the king of Jericho saying, behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, oh, he knew. 
generally where men go. Okay. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you and who have entered your house for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men, hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from, where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof, hidden them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the forts. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now think about it. Where do the children, uh, where do the two spies reach? To the house of a... You know, some commentators, they say, no, 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 Rahab was not that bad. She was an innkeeper. Innkeeper. The problem is, as I told you, right? Because, see, in order to understand how amazing grace is, you really need to know who you are. Then only you will appreciate what how amazing grace is. Okay? So for such a worm as I, you change it into what? Such a sinner as I. Because you don't want to feel like a worm. Okay, worm is too much. It's too, your, 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 this is, uh, your self-worth has been taken away. There's no worth in ourself. Absolutely. Zero. So look at this, no? So they, they go to directly to the to a harlot's home, and, and you will say, "Boss, I'm not bad. I'm okay." So harlot, how does that relate to me? <clears throat> no, think about it, no. When 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 you have gone to a harlot's home, and you, everybody says, "Okay, that's harlot. Maybe she's so bad. She needs poor thing. She needs to be born again." I'm okay. All the others are should be born again. But look at what Jeremiah has to say about harlots. Jeremiah chapter 3. <clears throat> this is to the children of Israel. They say if a man put away his wife and she, go f- she goes from him and become another, another man's, shall he return unto her? Shall not the land be greatly polluted? But thou hast what? Played the harlot with how many lovers? With many lovers. You know what? what is the meaning of a harlot? A harlot is a person who is searching everywhere for love. Who is searching for meaning everywhere, possibly in relationships, and one relationship will not satisfy, so they go for several relationships. And in every relationship, they are looking for what we call as completeness. Okay. No, like they make up, they become Jerry Maguire. You know, Jerry Maguire, right? You complete me. Now the problem is, a, is a pro- this is, you know, a lot of people have misconceptions about marriage. You think once you get married, you will be complete. No. The person actually shows how incomplete you are. You, they'll show you how hollow you are, how shallow you are, how easily irritable you are. See? So, there's nobody who can complete you except God. The problem is, if you're looking for completeness outside of your relationship with God, you will search for how many lovers? Many lovers. That's the point. You seek for completion in any other relationship outside of God. One relationship will not be sufficient. One achievement will not be sufficient. Okay. Just being successful in the company doesn't, doesn't make you, doesn't make you, doesn't, is not sufficient. You should also have a beautiful wife. You should also have lovely children. You should also have a perfect marriage for whatever that is. Okay, you should have everything. Because you're, you're looking for 
meaning and completeness in every other thing except God. What will happen is, you will never find completeness, you will you'll be going from one lover to the other. That is what is what it is mean to be a harlot. That is the reason why it says in James chapter 4, you adulteresses and adulterers, don't you know, friendship with the world is enmity against God. You see, now the thing is, when believers become harlots, it's even more worse. Look at what it says in Ezekiel chapter 16. This is This is crazy. Ezekiel chapter 16 verses 33 to 34. Make, men make payments to all, to all harlots, but you made your payments to all your lovers. In other, in other words, if you want to go to a harlot, you have to pay her. But you are paying others to come to you. And then it says, and hired them to come to you from all around for your harlotry. You are the opposite of other women in your harlotry because no one solicited you to be a harlot. In that you gave payment but no payment was given you, therefore you are the opposite. Isn't it amazing? You see, when Solomon also was that, you know, I was talking to the young people the other day, uh, how many wives? 300 wives, 600 concubines. Okay? So, some people say, no, why are you, why, why do you want to get married to an unbeliever? I will convert her to Christ. Solomon wanted to convert 900 people to Christ. But the problem with Solomon was 900 people didn't get converted. All those fellows converted him to their God. That's a problem. You see, what has happened now? I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine Solomon looking for love every other place for completeness and meaning? And he's going on a circuit. 365 days, 365 homes, let's say. Can you, can you imagine that? No? And on a 365 days, happy new year, five, how are you? <laughs> Next, can you imagine? Two and a half years at least for one circuit. Finding, trying to find meaning in all the wrong places for completion in all the wrong places. And the problem is, if believers try to do that, 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 that is exactly what Solomon did. What happens? You will be soliciting, you will be giving your energy to others. They will not be actually uh, giving meaning to your life. You see, in that sense, many of us, if we are trying to find meaning in any other relationship or a career for identity, if it is not Christ, then you know what we are playing? That is the reason why he says, I am the God, I am a jealous God. Jealous. Where is jealousy? In the, in the, in the context of a marriage, jealousy is absolutely jealous. It should be. You are, I am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the third and the fourth generation. Upon those that hate me. He says, if you have other idols apart, apart from you don't love me, you actually hate me. There's only a binary. You're against me. Those who are not for me is against me. You see that? So, so in that case, you know, many of us might have played the harlot. Where we have found, tried to find meaning in any other thing other than God. And we don't realize that we have that spirit there in deep down inside of us to find relationships or careers or whatever it is. Whatever it is where you replace God. The devotion to God has gone and it has become a deadly exercise. And that's what it says in Malachi, right? It's become a wearisome exercise to worship. Wearisome. Oh, same old, same old, same old. You see? Okay, so understand that therefore. So what does Hebrews chapter 11 have to say about this? 
by faith the who the harlot rehab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spice or sorry the spice with peace okay it's very interesting no what does uh, the writer of hebrews call those guys spice with peace so it's amazing no a lady who's trying to find meaning in all the other places suddenly recognizes two people and she invites them to her home with peace look at another place look at another another passage in the new testament about rehab how many times is uh, rehab mentioned in the new testament any ideas once in james once in hebrews once in matthew okay how many times just shall live by faith is mentioned in the in the new testament once in romans once in galatians once in hebrews you see up three times so anything which is mentioned three times you have to be very careful understand that all right so let's see in james chapter 2 what does uh, james have to say about rehab you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith likewise likewise who who was the other person she is comparing rehab to 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 abraham can you imagine only two people is going to take by name when he's comparing faith one is abraham the father of believers and rehab can you imagine this and this is what he has to say this is what he he says likewise was not rehab the harlot again very clear also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way for as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead so what is the first work of grace in our lives you know what happens the first work of grace is god opening our heart to receive his message it's the opening of our heart to receive god's message and therefore god's people look at what it says in matthew chapter 10 whatever town or village you enter search there and for such uh, search there for some worthy person who's worthy in the in the sight of god today rehab the harlot is worthy and it says search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave as you enter the home give it your greeting if the home is deserving let your peace rest on it if it is not let your peace return to you and in it says in john's gospel chapter 13 whoever receives you receives me and whoever receives me will receive the one who sent me you see this is exactly what rehab did her heart was open to the messengers of god and therefore look at what it says in james just before i go to the next verse in hebrews chapter 11 the spies are called spies here they're called messengers in james chapter 2 verse 25 it's called messengers rehab the harlot did not receive just spies there is she received the messengers of god you see that let's move on so what did rehab do therefore she did something very interesting it says therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with what with meekness uh, the implanted word which is able to save your souls so first thing she did is she received the messengers and then therefore she received the message of the messenger how did she receive it with meekness she accepted who she is see a lot of people receive but how are you receiving is very important 
It says in Matthew chapter 13, let me show you a few uh, people who received. Matthew chapter 13, this is the parable of the sower. Okay, Matthew chapter 13 verses 18 onwards. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received. They also received. But did it profit them? No. Even before he could implant, he could understand the word. By the time you left the left the church, the Satan has come and taken the word away. And you know, most of the times what happens? How the word is gone after the message is over? Finished. Gone. Word gone. Satan has come, taken the word away. So easy. That is the reason why guard your lips and talk very little. Discuss about what you have heard. Edify one another. Enjoy one another. And I like people when, when we have discussions, you know, in our men's group, we just discuss what has, what pastor taught and, and then they ask questions. And you know what happens? Even as you discuss, the word is not stolen. You're not giving opportunity for the enemy to steal the word. You see? A lot of people receive, but it is gone. And then, and the next category of people. But he who received, again, on stony places, it is he who receives the word and immediately receives a joy. Baba, pastor, in the message. Beautiful message. Yet, he has no root, endures for a while, because when there is testing, he's gone. No fruit. Gone. The word is gone. So you receive the word. But it still did not profit you. Another curse, another kind of people. Now he who, what? Received the word among thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Choke the word. Cares, deceitfulness of riches. Cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. They choke the word. And he becomes unfruitful. And what happens to the third category in this? But he who received the seed on good ground hears the word and he produces fruit. You see that? 30, 60, 100. But we know from Luke's gospel chapter 8, what is God's desire for all of us? 100. Not just 30, it is 100. So what has happened to these people? Look at what it says in Romans chapter 6 verse 16 onwards. Do you not know if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness. And then he makes a fantastic statement. He says, but God be thanked or thanks be to God that though you were once slaves of sin, you have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. We looked at this so many times. What has happened over here? And then what happened? And having been set free from sin, you have received some freedom. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. This is exactly what happens. You see, when you receive the word with faith, it says, have you received the spirit by the Works of the law or by hearing which comes from faith. You know what happens? When you receive the word with faith, Galatians chapter 3 will say, the Holy Spirit comes and empowers you. Let me show you an example. We don't have a... Okay. If I had a small baby, any small babies over here? Okay, let me not... The small son over here, okay? I look at uh, my small baby. I say, daddy loves you. Okay, Papa, how do I know that I love you? I pick her up like that, put her in my arms and I kiss her. 
That is how I experience love. It says in Galatians chapter 4, God sent his son so that we might receive what? Adoption. God sent his spirit so that we might cry out, Abba Father. How does God send his son? Through the word. And when you believe, you experience him in your heart. And you know that you have been, you have been accepted into the beloved. And so, therefore what happens, you will not try to find meaning in any other thing because you know only this, unless and until this person accepts me, it doesn't matter who are the, who are, who are the other person is, it's not going to give me any meaning in my life. You see that? And having been set free from sin, what has, what has happened? You have become slaves of righteousness. What has happened over here? Has the message taken us over? You see, when Jonah goes to uh, Nineveh, 40 days, Nineveh is no more. 40 days, Nineveh is no more. One line message is going from the length to the breadth. Possibly for three days he preached. And then he goes and sits under the whatever and is waiting to see what God is going to do. What happens? The messenger disappears. Who disappears? The messenger disappears. Who takes over? The message takes over. You see, that's exactly what should happen every time we listen to the word. The messenger has to disappear. The message has to take over. So this is exactly what happened to, to, can you imagine, the grace of God coming to this lady, everybody says she doesn't deserve. Everybody says, have you seen her life? Chee, aim God So many other deserving people are there, but God goes there because he is the only person who has an open heart to listen. And she opens her heart, she opens her home. Has the message taken us over? Understand that. So how do I know? That the message has, has taken us over. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 21. You know, this is uh, very interesting, no? Uh, uh, Jesus is driving out all the money changers from the temple. And uh, now he's sitting and the Pharisees and the Sadducees come and say, By what authority are you doing all this? Then Jesus says, I will also ask you one question. The baptism of John, was it from God or was it from man? Then they have a team huddle. What do you think? What do you think? If it is John, if he saved us from man, all the people, they think that he is a prophet. They will crucify us. Okay? And if he saved us from God, then he will ask us why we, did not, why we did not believe him. Yeah, yeah. What should we say? We don't know. Okay, okay. Don't know, don't know. We don't know. And you know what he says? I also will not tell you. By what what authority I am doing. And then he shoots three parables. And the first parable, this is what he gives. Okay. This is what he says. Look at what he says. This is the parable of the two sons. Okay. It says, what do you think? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. Meaning, there are a set of people who Deep down inside of their hearts, they said, you know what? Useless, Lord. This Christian life is impossible for me. It's impossible. I'm too far gone. I will not. But afterward, he regretted and he went. Then then he came to the second and said, likewise, and he said, and he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not. Then the question, which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. And Jesus makes a 
astounding statement. Surely I say to you that tax collector and harlots are entering into the kingdom of God before you. That is what God is looking at. And he's, that means, you know what? God is looking at this girl's heart and he says, boy, this girl is searching for meaning and she has known that no other person, no other relationship can give meaning except me. And now when she looks at these two people, she sees hope. Assuredly, I say to you, that tax collectors and harlots enter into the kingdom of God before you. Luke's Gospel, chapter 7. And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified, I love that word, justified God having been baptized by the baptism of John. You know, because when John came, he said, they all came and said, what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? What should we do? They all repented, confessing their sins. They justified God. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having baptized by him. You understand that? So the first thing you see, what has happened to this? What? How amazing is grace? Why is, why is grace so amazing? Because the unlikeliest of people where you think that she would not receive is a person who has opened her heart to receive the messengers of God. That is the reason why faith is amazing. Faith is amazing. And look at that. If you think you are not Rahab, then you have disqualified yourself. In fact, all of us, all of us, if we haven't done what Rahab has done, we have done it spiritually so many times. You know, I was, t- <laughs> I was telling the young people the other day, you know, I was saying, see, those days, Solomon had to visit 900 people in several years for meaning. Nowadays, you can sit in one day, in one chat room and you can contact 900 people in a chat room and still not find meaning. What has happened? Some random person some on the other side of the, of, the, of the world, you don't even know that person. You're pouring your heart out and discussing intimate things. I, I know a person when I was doing my doing my uh, studies, no? This guy goes online, finds this, this, some girl from China, gets into a relationship, she wants to marry him now. In the chat room. She sends her passport and says, please can you sponsor my visa? This is all happening and he is also falling in love with her now. Oh Vijay, I have to do something for this woman. What? Are you crazy? You are doing a PhD or what? See that? That is what happens. So when all the people, so you need to understand, all of us are bound for this, okay? So don't, when you read Psalm 51, don't say I'm not as bad as David. Give yourself some time. Okay. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by Him. So understand this. First thing, that is the reason why grace is amazing. Grace is amazing because it found us. We didn't find him. It found us. Hebrews chapter 11 now. Next, let's move on to the next thing. By faith, harlot, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. That's amazing, isn't it? When she had received the spice with peace. Another place, again, James chapter 2. Was not the harlot 
justified by works when they when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. Now think about it. What did she do? Did she speak the truth or she lied? Yes? You know what? Bible doesn't qualify it. It doesn't call she spoke the truth or she spoke the lie. It doesn't say. It says she acted on faith. That is how the Bible qualifies it. Bible doesn't qualify it as a lie or a truth. It says it is an act of faith or it is not. What does this tell me about Rahab? What has happened to this woman? Let me tell you what has happened to this woman. This is what I wrote down. There is a shift of loyalties that has taken place in our heart. She is no longer faithful to the world, but now to the kingdom of God. What has happened? She understands which one is the real kingdom. And she says, you know what? I will choose that over this kingdom which is going to perish. That is the reason why it says it is faith. It is not calling it lie or true. No ethics over here. Either it is faith or it is not. Everything which is not a faith is sin. Now think about it. Think about this. Okay, Richard Wumran in his prison. He was captured. He was being tortured. They asked him the names of all the people in the in his underground church. And he gave them the names. So and so, so and so, so and so, so and so. 25 names he gave. And they searched. All those 25 fellows were Christians who were dead. And they came and said, what are you talking about? And they will tell you, you know, does the Bible not say? Does the Bible not say? Now tell me, let me tell you something. In that place, it is no true or lie. Either you are loyal to the kingdom or you are not loyal to the kingdom. The problem is, many people are loyal to Caesar and they are not loyal to God. And the fact of the matter is, because they are more loyal to Caesar, they betray both. Jesus comes and asks, (laughs) should we pay taxes? Give me a coin. Whose conscription? Caesar's or... Caesar's. Give to Caesar what is belongs to Caesar. And you have the image of God. Give yourself to God. Do you do that? Okay, you pay your taxes to very, very faithfully to the, to your, to your, to your, to your country. But do you give yourself to God? Do you give yourself to God? So tell me, are you more loyal to Caesar? And easing your conscience? Are you completely giving yourself to God? No, you're not. You see? So, it doesn't matter there. It is not true or lie over here. It is faith or not faith. That is what it says. Bible doesn't qualify it as truth or lie. See, the, the reason is this, this woman, you know what, being a harlot, the most unlikely of places, she understands which is the temporary kingdom and which is the permanent kingdom. And she makes choices according to that. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 onwards. We do not lose what? Heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for a light and momentary affliction which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why? How? While we look, do not look to things which are what? Seen, but the things which are 
not seen for the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are seen are eternal suddenly you know what has happened to this lady suddenly she is able to see from the point of view of God which is the eternal kingdom and which is a temporary kingdom which which side I have to be loyal to now has she seen Jericho being taken no she has not seen anything yet but she understood that is faith okay 1 John chapter 2 verse 17. And this world is fading away. Fading away. Have you, do you know what it means to be fading away? Slowly it's going, but eventually it will fade. It's like putting a tomato in a refrigerator. For 15 days, 16 days, outwardly it will look very, very good initially. Slowly from inside it is getting corrupted. Exactly what he's trying to say. He says the world is fading away along with everything that what? People crave, I like the trans- this translation, everything that people crave for it is fading away. But anyone who does what God pleases lives for ever. See that? So choose, choose loyalty. Where does your loyalty lie? Does it lie with God or with the world? Are you loyal to God? Are you loyal to his body? Are you loyal to uh, to the fellowship? Think about all these things. Look, look at what it says in Second Corinthians chapter 6. How he qualifies loyalty. Look at what he says. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And he uses five adjectives to qualify yoking. You know what he says? What fellowship? Righteousness with lawlessness. What communion? Meaning intimacy. Light with darkness. What accord? We sang that song, no? Every praise to our God. Every word of worship in one accord. That is what we call a symphony. That's a word in Greek. Symphoneo. That is the reason why in many many homes when you go, there is symphony in church and cacophony at home. Go cacophonics. The bard. See? Because there's no, there's no accord. There's no one accord. There's no, they're not united in love. What part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement? Can you do an agreement with, with the temple of God? I spoke about this long time back. This is what he's talking about. You see, you don't have anything. And exactly the eyes that, that Rahab has. What amazing, how amazing grace is that this woman was absolutely unqualified to be a kingdom, to be in the part of the kingdom of God. Her eyes are open to see what is temporary and to see what is eternal. Understand that. Okay. Then it says in Genesis chapter 30, another example. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of Jordan before him. Well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Tamanchundi. But you know what it says in parenthesis? This was before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It's coming. But he is not able to see the destruction. You know why? Because his eyes are completely taken away from the things of God into the things of the world. So Lord chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out the set out toward the east. The two men, what a sad statement. The two men parted company. I pain. Divide has happened. Faith and sight. Faith and sight. Sad thing. Sad, no? When see, this is very interesting, right? I like this. Lot say say this word loudly chose 
We all choose. Make choices. There's nothing random. Everything is deterministic. You make your choices now and I'll tell you exactly where you're going in few years time. You know, one of the first things the question, the, the company will ask you when you're, uh, when you're, when they are doing your appraisal. Where do you see yourself? Five years from now. No, he wants to know what are the kind of choices that you're planning to take in the coming years so that you can see yourself there. Do you have a vision for your life? Understand that. See, a sad thing in Christianity is that so many people have no purpose. They have no purpose. It says in uh, Romans chapter 2, I think verse 6, it says, uh, God will render to every man according to his works to those who by patience in doing well seek for glory, honor and immortality. He will give what? Eternal life. The problem is nobody is seeking whose glory? Whose glory is that? No, no, no. It's your glory. Your glory. Of course, in your, in seeking God's glory is your glory. That's, that's implied over there. Seeking glory, seeking honor, seeking immortality, but not, not, no, nobody's actually seeking. There's no vision. There's no purpose. If I were to ask, you know, one of the things that I ask your parents when they come to our school, what is the vision that you have for your child? We should tell a lot of things about you. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 6, these things that I have spoken to who? To you. I know when, I, when we had the session, I wrote the word you, 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 you. Okay? It's I think six or seven times the word you comes. And I said, these things I spoke to you, to you, to you, to you, to you who? It is not the children, it is to the parents. Okay. So most of the time what happens is that, I, I remember in one play, one church very vividly, okay? Uh, they were having a church, uh, uh, Committee meeting. Okay, all the committee members were uh, were seated, and there was one young uh, member of the church. He started. He he got up and he said, "The youth ministry is not very good at all in this church." I said, "Why? My my daughter. She has fallen in love with an unbeliever. It is all because of the youth pastor." I am not joking. This has happened in a church in this city. I mean, you have not been fired up, you are not fired up for God. You have made your decisions. And now because of your decisions, your children have gone astray. You don't, you don't blame the church. You don't dump children into the Sunday school. The Sunday school teachers, it's not the responsibility of the Sunday school teacher for the salvation of your children's soul. It is your, your responsibility. You understand that? Choices. You make choices and ultimately the choices will make you. Understand? It was a choice that she made, Rehab. What an amazing woman. That's, that's the work of grace. Let's move on. Joshua chapter 2. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, look at what she says. I know that the Lord has given you the land. That the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And then she goes on to say, And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain 
any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now a lot of people have this question. When I was growing up, when I was in the university, I had, I used to have Bible study in my home, my, my room, B310. Okay, hall 4, B310, every Wednesday Bible study. So my neighbors were my classmates. They knew that Bible study used to go on in my room. And after a while, after the Bible study store, I used to go downstairs. I attended a Bible study. Oh, Are in your Bible, Joshua, you read Joshua. What kind of a God is that? How can he command women, children, animals? What do the poor innocent children do? On those days, I didn't know. I mean, I was like, oh yeah, this is right. What do the poor... Poor innocent children do. Now you know what? Now you read your read the Bible carefully. Everybody's heart is melted. Because she says, Our heart has melted, right? Neither did there remain any more strength in any one of us. So who is this us over there? The entire people in the city of Jericho. So they all know destruction is coming. They're all they all their hearts are melted. But their hearts are still hard. You know why? When the messengers came, there was only one person who accepted her and the rest of all hardened themselves. Understand that. Just because you are apparently fearing God, it doesn't mean that you are repenting of your sin. Look at what it says in Second Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all, everybody say all, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And then what does he say next verse? Therefore knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. In other words, Rahab knew the terror of the Lord and she could be persuaded. The rest were all people who could not be Persuaded. That's the point over here. See, they all knew the terror of the Lord. The terror of the Lord has fallen over them, but they will not repent. They will not say, you know what, sorry, we have, please forgive us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be, let us have you see, what is, what is Rahab having? She, whom, which kingdom did she choose? Did she choose the kingdom of the world or the kingdom of, kingdom of God? She chose the kingdom of God, a kingdom which cannot be shaken. She had grace and what did she want to do? She wanted to serve God acceptably with reverence and with godly fear. You understand that? With reverence and with godly fear. Why? Verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. You know, when you read the Bible, sometimes you have to read different translations to get the actual meaning. You know, there's a very interesting word in um, Psalm 7 verse 11. It says, God is angry with... Uh, can you can anybody say? Can you? God is angry. God is angry with the wicked every day. Now, if you go to your Bibles and see Psalm 7 11, just go there. Do an experiment. Okay, Psalm 7 verse 11. Psalm 7 verse 11. Okay. What does it say? A God is a righteous judge and God is angry with the wicked is in italics or normal? 
is ah with the wicket is in italics. That means the translators rendered it, added it because God cannot be angry with the righteous. But who's righteous here, Baba? You know what it says? I mean, another beautiful translation. It's it's the ESV. This is what it says in ESV. God is a righteous judge, and God feels indignation every day. It is not God is angry with the wicked. No, no, no. God is the one who is feeling anger every day. In other words, every time he looks at our lives, he says, I cannot forgive that. My righteousness requires a demand that I judge that person immediately. Many people don't understand the side of God. And therefore they are not able to appreciate grace. What has happened to Rahab? Suddenly our eyes have been opened now. Lord, I know you are come, you, you have come here. Our time is up. Actually, 400 years God has given them time. The iniquity of the Amorites is not at full now. The, the, they are, it's they are ripe for judgment. And there is only one person in all of Jericho whose hands and heart or whose heart is open and who actually understands the terror of God. And even after understanding the terror of God, she's willing to open her heart and plead for mercy and plead for kindness. Understand this. God is righteous. But if we keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on sinning and hardening our heart, hardening our heart, hardening our heart, you know what? We will be scared, but we can't repent. We'll be worried about judgment, but there will be no repentance in our heart. We'll be scared about circumstances, but we can't go and plead for God and with God. There will be no ability in us because repentance is a gift gift from God. That is the reason why constantly we keep to keep praying, Lord, grant us repentance. Grant us repentance. Grant us repentance because repentance itself is God's gift. Let me give you an example. First Samuel chapter 28. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled. Oh, he understood. Now the judgment is there right at the door now. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. Now think about it. If he was not getting the answer, what could he have done? He said, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord, do something, Lord. Could he not have done like what Manasseh did? Manasseh, he repented. If God could have done for what he did for Manasseh, can't he do for anybody else? But he never repented. He never changed. You know what he did? I want answers immediately. I'm fearing I want answers immediately. He goes to a medium. He goes to a witch. There's no repentance now. This trembling, but no repentance. Understand that. Trembling and no repentance. Look at what it says in Joshua chapter 11 about these people who rejected the message of God. Look at what it says in Joshua chapter 11. Joshua waged war against all. This is Joshua chapter 11 verses 18 onwards. Joshua waged war against all the kings for a long time except for the Hevites living in Gibeon. Not one city made a treaty of peace with Israelites who took them all by battle. Meaning they were all scared. They all knew their time was up but they still wanted to fight. They would not surrender. They would not surrender. That is how obstinate the human heart is. Look at what it says. Next word. 
For it was the Lord himself who hardened their hearts. Can you imagine? It says in the, if you read Exodus, Pharaoh hardened, Pharaoh hardened, Pharaoh hardened, and it says the Lord hardened. Who was hardening? Pharaoh hardened and the Lord hardened. I don't know if it is Pharaoh hardened because the Lord hardened or Lord hardened because of Pharaoh hardened. I don't know clearly, clearly. Which is the cause and which is the effect. I don't want to play games. I don't even want to find out. What is the cause? I don't want to know. Lord, give me a tender heart. (laughs) Please, Lord, break my heart. Grant me repentance. Let there be conviction in my life. Let me be like Rahab, who's open to your message. Let me be with meekness. Let me risk everything, even my own life, for your word. Because I know which is eternal and which is temporal. Okay, let's go back to Joshua chapter 2. Now therefore, I beg you, swear to be my by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from you know what she does what she's saying you know what what do we, what, what do we deserve death you know what she's saying you know you know i think this i think that one of the guy's name is salmon okay by the way the the bible doesn't very clearly say one of the two spies it says in first chronicles salmon begat boaz okay by rehab well we'll come to that later on all right uh, see it's, it's salmon see salmon you know i didn't have a choice I don't deserve this. Please deliver me. No, no, no. I deserve this. Please deliver me. There's a difference. I don't deserve this. Please deliver me. No. I deserve this. Please deliver me. Now, I, I like this uh, scene in the movie Shawshank Redemption. If you've seen the movie, it's a very interesting movie. Okay, The new set of guys come to prison. Okay, The first day of prison is supposed to be the most toughest day of their lives. Okay, so they, and they, all of them, all the veteran, veteran prisoners, they are waiting to hear who's gonna break first. Because it's gonna be a psychological breakdown very soon. So they all place their bets on all the new guys who have come. Okay. So this, this guy, in the prison, the lights are off, and after a time he starts weeping. And one guy says, my horse won! And he starts sweeping, starts sweeping, starts sweeping. And the guard comes and he says, why are you weeping? You know what he says? I was not supposed to be here. There was a mistake. I didn't deserve this. I didn't deserve this. You see, that is exactly what many people say. You know what? I didn't deserve this. What I got in my life, I didn't deserve this. It was because of my parents' mistakes, my brother's mistakes, my, my relative's mistake, all those people's mistakes. I'm, that is the reason why I'm like this. She never ever made any excuses. She said, deliver our lives from death. We deserve it. We deserve it. Let's move on. So the men answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal how with you? Kindly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window of her house 
on the city wall and she dwelt on the wall and she said to them get to the mountain lest the pursuers meet you hide there three days until the pursuers pursuers have returned afterward you may go your way what has happened to 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 rehab she understood two things she understood the terror of the lord what is it called the severity of god what is she pleading for now mercy kindness of god it says in Romans chapter 11 verse 22 our favorite verse in our church right note the kindness and the severity of God severity towards those who are fallen but God's kindness to you provided you should continue in your kindness for how many days for three days in this case you know what three days is right don't speak out not even just three days till the walls fall shut your mouth and can you imagine all the relatives in the, she would have called all her relatives, come, 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 come. The Israelites are coming. The wall is going to fall. How are they going to fall? Let us watch them. Observe them from the wall. How are they going to do? One day, they're marching around and the trumpets are being blown by the priest. Hurry! They don't have any instruments in their hands. Nothing is there. How can they bring the wall down? You know what? There's something called as probability and promise. What is that? Probability and promise. Okay. So, most of the Christians, let's pray for rain. Okay, let's pray. Lord, Lord, please send rain, Lord. But look at the sky. Look at the weather report. The probability is 50%. Now, the thing is this. When they see probability, do they go with promise or with probability? So, this lady... She's looking, all the people in her home are looking at this army of people who are marching around the walls. What are the odds of the walls to fall with this kind of a war? No, when you go with probability, it is not probability anymore, it is sight. It is no longer faith. Faith is absolutely singular. He is not going to take... I know the walls are going to fall. She has not seen it falling. No, nothing like this has happened ever before. But she knows it is going to fall. Singular. Okay, let's move on. That is just by the way. Severity towards uh, towards those who have fallen. But kindness towards you provided you continue. You are not going to look at probability. But you are going to look at the promise. Otherwise you will also be cut off. Understand this my dear brothers. God is kind. But you have to continue in His kindness. What does it mean? God is kind to you. He granted you repentance. Are you kind to others? This is a question. Blessed are the, again, merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Forgive us our debts even as we forgive those who sin against us. That's exactly what she said. Continue in your kindness. And I, and I like the story of Shimei. Shimei. You know the story of Shimei, right? Shimei, God, David said, Shimei, take care of that fellow. Get rid of that fellow. So Shimei comes and falls before Solomon and says, Solomon, please have mercy upon me. Solomon says, okay, fine. Do one thing. Stay in Jerusalem. Don't go out. For a for as long as you are here, stay in Jerusalem. The moment you go out of Jerusalem, you are gone. In other words, what is Jerusalem? The household of peace. There is an umbrella of peace under which you have to stay. 
The moment you go out of the umbrella of peace, there is no more peace for you. So one day what happens after two years? First year, second year, third year, God comes to look for fruit. Three days, right? Third year. Third year, servants run away. Why? Because you are not kind. Simple. Ran away. So what does he do? Saddles his donkey, goes out to bring back his servants. And that day, you have not continued in the kindness of God. What is going to happen to you? You will also be cut off. Cut off. Understand that. So consider the goodness of God and the severity of God. Let's move on. Joshua chapter 2. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. Unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and your, and your father's household to your own home, and it goes on to say, so it will, it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of this house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall not be on our head, um, on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath, which you have made us swear. What is, what is going on over here? And she says, according to your word, let it be done to me. You know, everybody knows, right? Scarlet thread ka color kya hai? Red. What does it signify? The blood. Okay. Every commentator will say that signifies the blood of Jesus. In other words, Rehab, you are being forgiven. You are being passed over by judgment of God, from the judgment of God because of the blood of your son. Not because of, of any of your goodness, not because you because you repented. Just because you repented doesn't mean that you're going to be accepted. Something, somebody has to atone for your sin. Now, I was, uh, in our, uh, in our school, we have daily, you have to read a portion from the Bible. They have to go through a book in the Bible. Everybody, every day, the parents have to sit with the children and do they have to read one portion of the Bible. Now, what they have to do is they have to read one chapter from Leviticus. Now, if you read the book of Leviticus, you know it is very, very difficult to read through. Most of the time, you'll think the priest is a butcher. Okay, because in our in our culture, when we see the uh, when we see a priest, archana chedam, kothramendi, that's all. But in in the Old Testament times, in the Bible, the priest he has to have a knife in his hand. Okay, that is the reason why the Levites were chosen. You know why? Because they were trained by the knife on their own brothers first. So afterwards, they know what the severity of sin is. So they they will not junk to. I mean, they will not uh, go uh, go back to uh, when they have to. Uh, slay, the, slay the animal. Okay, so what happened? I was reading through this passage in Leviticus chapter 4 and a particular passage in the Bible, Leviticus chapter 4 and this is what it says in 27. If any of the common people sins unintentionally, re- notice that. How? How do they sin? Unintentionally. Not intentionally. Okay. There are four kinds of people who have to sin. Who will sin? Three kinds of people actually. First is the priest who sins. If the priest sins, he has to bring a young, he has to bring a young bull. If the whole congregation sin, they also have to bring a young, young bull for as a sin offering. It, it, that means, if one priest sins, it is as if the whole congregation has sinned. 
If the whole congregation sins, they have to also bring a young bull. If the whole, if the priest sins, he also has to bring a young bull. And if individuals sin unintentionally, what should they do? This is what it says. Since unintentionally in doing any of the things that the Lord's commandments ought not to be done and realizes the guilt or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring for his offering a goat, a female without blemish for his sin which he has committed and he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. Now I'm reading this to children. Imagine this, okay? Abigail Emmanuel, just imagine Abigail Emmanuel right in front of me and I'm, I'm saying, he has to lay and the priest shall take some of his blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar, burnt offering and uh, of the burnt offering and pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. So I was looking at Abigail and Emmanuel. I finished this chapter and they, was look, they were still looking at me because it's not easy for them to understand what's going on. I said, Abigail, it's like this. No, I said, come here. Think about this. You are are you a priest? I asked. And she said, no, 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 Papa. What are you? I'm an ordinary citizen. Okay. Let us say you unintentionally lie. For example, Papa comes and says, asks you, did you do your homework? Oh, yes, Papa, I did it. But then later on, you go into your room and you realize that you love to, you lie to your Papa and you come to, and say, come to him and say, Papa, I'm so sorry. Uh, I lied to you. What am I supposed to do? You know what the priest, what, what the power will do? He'll take you to the priest. Okay, he will take you to the priest because you unintentionally did it and you are guilty of it. You have, you have realized your sin. Now the, 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 the priest will take you, to, I mean the father will take you to the priest. So what does the priest do? Take the female goat. Put your hand on the female goat. I said, Abigail, imagine this, okay? He's going to take a knife. Now her eyes are popping up. She's going to take the knife Right in front of your eyes, he's going to slaughter it. And the blood is going to come out like that. She said, and she said, poor animal. I said, now think about it, Abigail. Who lied? You lied. Did the animal lie or you lied? I lied. Who's dying? Animal is dying. Who's innocent? Animal is innocent. Who's guilty? I'm guilty. What is happening? you repented. You felt bad. The point is, you did not do it intentionally. You did it. Isn't it interesting? You did it unintentionally and you know what? An innocent lamb has to be slaughtered in your place. And the blood has to be has to be atoned for I me. Mean, that is that should be used for atonement. And you know she was shocked because you no, know, none of us imagine this. No, think because you know we are all people who understand the blood of Jesus. Yeah, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. We plead the blood. We don't understand what it means for, to plead the blood of Jesus. The intensity of it. One person, an animal which is absolutely innocent, has to be slaughtered in your place. Rahab, understand this. That's exactly what happened to Rahab. Her heart was open. You know, she says, I'm not saved because of my repentance too. Yes, I'm repenting. But I'm not saved because of that. I'm saved because Christ died for me. And now you know what? Unless I believe in that finished work of Christ, I will not be saved. Understand that everybody? So what happens? For all of us. Romans chapter 3. We are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, 
whom God put forward as a what? As a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over all your former sins. Understood that. Can you imagine this? Who is this person? Is she an Israelite? No. Is she became in the law? No. But she understood. Understood that. Let's move on. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain and crossed over. And they came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. And you know the story. Joshua comes, does the war, and this is what happens in uh, Joshua chapter 6 verse 25. Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. And now what happens? So she dwells in Israel unto did she go back to her own ways? No. The grace that saved her is the same grace which is sanctifying her. All the days of her life. Now tell me, let me, let me show you this. This is something very, very interesting, okay? Before I go to, uh, to the next verse, I want to show you something very interesting. This is found in, uh, Ruth, Ruth chapter 4. Salmon begot Boaz. Boaz begot Obed. And Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David. Now let's read another passage in uh, New Testament, Matthew chapter 4. It says in Matthew chapter 4, verse uh, 5 onwards, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David. Who's mentioned over here? Salmon, Boaz and Rahab is mentioned. In Ruth, what is who's mentioned? Only Salmon and who's mentioned? Boaz is mentioned. Who's not mentioned? Rahab is not mentioned. Do you see that? Okay. Salmon is mentioned. Rahab not mentioned. Boaz is mentioned. Matthew tells you Boaz came through Rahab. Now let us see what it means. Salmon means Garment. Boaz means the kinsman redeemer. In Ruth, Rahab is not mentioned because she is so in one with the righteousness of Jesus, which is a garment that she has received. Now her life is totally hidden in Christ. Her name is not even mentioned. That is grace. And because of her oneness with her husband, she is able to begat a Boaz who is going to be a kinsman redeemer. And ultimately who is going to be the forerunner for Christ. The ultimate warrior. So through the harlot Rahab, we have the ultimate warrior. What does it tell me? This is what it tells in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live. 
What has happened? The, but the life, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now, now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. She's totally in one with her new kingdom Israel and she's not, she says, she says she got married to him now. She's not going, not, not going back to her old lifestyle. Absolutely cut away now from the rest of the world and she's joined to Israel all the days of her life. The faith or the grace that saves is a grace also which sanctifies. That's the reason why First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10 will say, And by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God through me. You see that? A, a faith that saves, a faith that redeems is a faith also, sorry, the grace that saves, the grace that redeems is the grace that also sanctifies and separates you from your old life. You don't have to go back to your old life again. That is Rahab. What do I learn from this lady? This is what I learned from this lady. I learn the meaning of true loyalty. Now one man of God said this, one of the things that we have to teach our children is to teach them loyalty to their parents. They should first know that the parents care for them. And they have to ingrain in them the spirit of loyalty or the spirit of faithfulness. That they'll be loyal to their parents as long as of course the parents are believers. It's exactly what God is looking for even in the church. God, what God is looking for is loyalty. People who will be absolutely sold out to him. And if it is possible with Rahab, it is possible with any one of us. Any one of us. That is amazing grace. That is amazing grace. Question is, are we looking for people or are we looking for meaning outside of God? Are we searching for things outside of God trying to fulfill ourselves this morning? Whatever it is. Have you lost your love and your zeal for God? Do you have emotions for God? Or do you have emotions for something else? Do you have emotions for cricket? Do you have emotions for basketball? you have emotions for every other thing? But when it comes to God, you don't have emotions. You are emotionally bankrupt. When it comes to God. First of all, emotions possible? Do you love him? Really? You know, are you just looking at life as truth and lie? Faith or faithless? Faithfulness or unfaithfulness? You see, that is how God looks at stuff. Anything which is not of faith is sin. This morning, I would like the worship team to come. Please, can you come this morning and lead us in song? At first, that, that song that which we sang the last... Amazing love, how can this be that you, my king, should die for me? Sometimes we listen to the gospel so often that it becomes too familiar to us. We talk about the cross, we talk about the blood, but we never understand how incredibly loving the Lord was to 
take our sin upon himself. And that is the reason why the hymn writer says, My sin, oh the bliss of that glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It is well with my soul. And the blood of Jesus becomes so familiar. And that one moment on the cross, when the father turned his face away from, from the son, it was, it was for that one moment, the eternal God who could never be separated from one another, experienced separation. Experienced absolute infinite death in that moment of time. To show to all of us the incredibly incredible how incredibly strong and, 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 and hateful the emotion of God is towards him. That is the reason why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone who believes, because the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. We need to hear the gospel again and again. Let us ask the Lord, Lord, never ever take away the sensitivity of God to what you have done for me on the cross. That's the reason why Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you to before whose eyes Christ was portrayed as crucified. That is the reason why in this church we always preach Christ and Him crucified. It is foolishness to those who are perishing. It is foolishness to those who believe and disobey, disbelieve and disobey. Who harden their hearts. But unto us, to whom it has been given the gift of repentance, it is the power of God. It is the greatest, greatest and the most awesome news that we could ever hear. This morning, even as we sing this song, let us ask God to open up our hearts and say, Lord, sometimes I feel that I'm better than the others, but Lord, show me who I really, really am in the light of your word. Yes, Peter.
Father, this morning, forgive us if you have taken the message of the cross for granted. Lord, we don't understand the depth of your love toward us, Lord. Father, forgive us for pursuing love in all the wrong places, O Lord. For meaning in all the wrong places. Finding lovers by the million. Father, forgive us, Lord. Only you can satisfy us, Lord. But how can an unholy man with unholy lips come to a holy God? Unless you have atoned for our sin. And forgive us, Lord, for making the message of the cross just another message and not a reality in my own life and our own lives. And it becomes dull. It becomes dry. It doesn't look fresh, Lord, every day. We just take it for granted and go through our daily routine as if nothing has happened, Lord. We are so casual with sin. We are so casual, oh Lord. And even our confession is is so, it's like a knee-jerk reaction, but it's not from the depths of our heart. Father, forgive us, Lord, this morning. Lord, do a radical work in us once again this morning, Lord. Lord, we all identify with that with that woman, O oh Lord, with that, with that, with Rahab, O oh Lord. Lord, we, we, we identify. Lord, we are worse than her sometimes, Lord. Some of us have secret things, O oh Lord, that if we have to say, you would be worse than the worst sinner. Father, open our eyes, O oh Lord, to see us what we really are in the eyes of your word through your lens of the scripture. Show us, O Lord. Enable us not to, Father, make our sin small. Enable us to see sin as it is through your eyes, O Lord. Enable us to have an encounter with you, O Lord. An encounter with your holiness so that we can really, really know who we are. Like Job would say, O Lord, I heard with my ears but I have seen with my eyes. Now I abhor myself and I repent in dust and in ashes. Lord, we need that, O Lord. And until and unless we have that again, as individuals and as a church, we will not surrender again to you, O Lord. Grant us that gift, O Lord. Grant us that gift, O Lord. Grant us that gift, the gift of repentance, O Lord. The meekness to accept the word. Be it whatever be the vessel, O Lord, let the messenger disappear and let the message take over in our lives, Lord. Father, forgive us our unbelief. Enable us to walk with you. Jesus, enable us to see that this world is passing away with all its lusts, O Lord. Lord, enable us to choose, O Lord, this day. Enable us to be loyal to your kingdom. Oh Father, forgive us. Forgive us 
forgive us meet us all meet us all jesus meet us all even in the coming days oh lord minister to us let the enemy not snatch away the word from our heart enable us to understand how amazing grace could be grace that saves grace that sanctifies grace that empowers us to say no grace that causes us to disappear that we will decrease and you will increase rehab won't appear all they could look will be the look will look at the garment of the righteousness of Jesus over our lives and we disappear we decrease and you increase and lord through us through that union lord even in this church both sons and daughters oh lord sons and daughters of the living god let this be a church oh lord where warriors are made a church which will birth men and women warriors and soldiers for christ to that and i pray that you will bless us oh lord even as we go about the rest of the week take us safely oh lord through the week guard us from the evil one lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory for and forever and ever in jesus name amen may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide with each one of us in jesus name we pray amen and amen